Chapter twenty two of From Sunrise Land Letters from Japan by Amy Carmichael. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty two. Amen. Hallelujah. The discord that involveth some startling change of key, the master's hand resolveth in richest harmony. Francis Ridley Havergal. Sakat en route for Shanghai. July 3rd. A hot, hot afternoon. My loving little sister M-san has been trying to plan for my comfort while we wait here for our boat, which is due to sail this evening. But it is wearily hot, and one is glad to lie flat down on the half-cool mats and dream over the days that have passed since last I wrote to you. We are with our Yonago boys. It is our closing Bible reading. Will you come back again and give us more teaching, they say? And we answer, yes, if he will. Bright, earnest, thoughtful lads, the hope of the young church. What a privilege to help them ever so little. And now we are stopping for a night at a village, often passed but never reached. It does not look inviting, the shore is half deserted. An old man hovering near takes our small baggage on his shoulder, plods down to the tiny hotel, deposits it on the floor and waits for his fee. A sickly, sulky-looking woman appears and greets us in a most un-Japanese fashion. M-san is shocked, and I am surprised. Hotel people usually welcome us effusively, but perhaps she is tired. May we come in and rest? She assents, though evidently unwillingly. Shall we stay, we ask ourselves? Such an ungracious reception is not encouraging. What would Jesus do? Then we pray and stay. Soon a policeman arrives to see my passport minutely examines it wants to know where i was born how long ago and why i had come this last leads to a straight talk he is in common with most of his class a thoroughly well-educated man he has read the bible but is far beyond it of course he is not childish enough to believe in idols or gods or a god of any kind he leaves such delusions to ladies and children after his departure we consult our hostess as to a night meeting she does not object, and we forthwith dispatch any stray children we can find to give notice. By ten o'clock all the population, it would seem, has gathered. Among outside listeners is the policeman standing just within earshot, and shot, I pray he may be, by an arrow from God's quiver. We use the wordless book. It strips of black, red, white, and gold, gummed in my Bible. Speak clearly when once the purport thereof has been grasped by these intelligent minds. What a surprise the author of that bit of work will have. Surely it were worth a lifetime's training to be used to sow a seed which is proving so fruitful for Christ. Little is much when God is in it, and much worth nothing at all otherwise. My midnight comes a pause on our part. We really cannot go on any longer. Questions follow and clamors for books. The eager faces and outstretched hands emerging from the darkness outside into the lamp glow within and then slipping back again seems too vivid and true a picture of what it must look like to him for thirty forty fifty years these men and women for whom he died have lived without hearing of him now they have heard just once just once when will they hear again how is it there is no one to spare to continue this poor little weak beginning why oh why are the hands so few when shall we have done playing with missions 
But one bright thought was given me that evening. In the twilight, while the busy people were gathering in from field and fishing boat, I stood by an open window overlooking the lake, and watched the shadows falling, deepening, until the water's gleaming silver changed to heavy black and it was night. Then dreary thoughts fell upon me, for across on the other side were hamlets and villages deep in the dark. It seemed the invisible visibilized. Suddenly a single glimmer flickered faintly into life, trembled, struggled up again, stronger grew and stronger. Then others awoke, twinkled, steadied, shone, till at last all the darkness was star-fringed. Spoke a voice within me, saying, So shall it be, so shall it be, and with the word came peace. Next morning comes, and we must go. Now they plead with us to stay. We do not know why it was so different at first. Perhaps it was only a ruse on the part of the powers of darkness to blow the first rushlight out. Praise the Lord, he conquered. They were talking together, a man and a boy. Around them lay the fair blue lake, and their island home was bright with the first gold of harvest. But on their hearts the sunlight fell not, and those souls, meant to be flooded with glory, were dim as their own pine groves. And yet at times strange footsteps wandered through them, and questions rose unbidden, like bubbles through still pools, to rise and break and vanish, but sometimes to return again and yet again, while answers they had none. And one was this, Does God hear prayer? For they had heard about him, and weakly they heard more. But they turned away and answered, No, 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 it cannot be. They turned away to what? To nothing, bare negation, pitiless and comfortless, to the thinking and half-awakened Buddhist, life, death, and that vast forever are one long sigh, and his song is ever, color and perfume vanish away, what can be lasting here? Today passes away in the abyss of nothingness, like the passing image of a dream. Then came a day of wedding joy at Matsuya, Aisan's marriage of which I told you, and upon the island all the bridal cakes were made. The younger of our two had them in charge, and he brought them up to Matsuya. Carefully he carried them, but as he stepped from the sampan, a fear crossed his mind. Something was going to happen to the cakes. A few minutes afterwards he stumbled, and they fell upon the sun-baked road. There was no time to go back and make more. There was no time to open the fragile little boxes and see to the well-being of their frail contents. What should he do? And then came the cry, listened for, for so long, a simple little plea, illogical if you will, though why, but oh, so welcome to the heart of the father, who goes the longer half-way to meet the child of his love. And there by the roadside he prayed his first prayer. He prayed that none of the cakes should be broken. Then he gathered the boxes up and went on. The marriage service was over, and Japanese fashion to each guest was given a box of dainty make, within which lay a sweet creation of pink and white, fan-shaped, and touched with a golden wish, for each bore the character which, in Christian parlance, means best blessings, sketched in gold dust upon it. Not one was even cracked. Back to the island went the boy, found the older doubter, told him the tale of the cakes. Now I know that God hears prayer, for God heard me. It was one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see, over again. He told the story to Aisan, who told it to Florence, who told it to me, and I tell it to you, that you too may rejoice with them, in this their first jewel won on the island of the lake. 
and now we are on our way to Imaichi to keep our promise to help them there once more. The dear old coal porter from Matsuya accompanies us, and we look forward to good meetings. There are two great realities in heathendom, the reality of the presence and power of the devil, the reality of the presence and power of the Lord. The more awfully the one presses, the more gloriously the other shines. Can it be that there is something more than we sometimes think, implied in the coupling together of the command and the fact, go ye into all the world, and, lo, I am with you alway? We are in the midst of our bright and busy Sunday, when suddenly comes a collapse on my part, and I find myself environed by wet towels, doleful faces, and a general sense of blur. Therefrom emerging, I ask them to pray. The meeting must not be missed tonight. Whereat the fatherly Matsya saint demurs, and not until he giveth power to the faint, as silence his last objection, will he consent to agree, as touching this at all events. Perhaps there would be fewer unanswered prayers did we, as he did then, make sure of our basis before we prayed at all. That night, or next morning rather, for it is past one o'clock before all is over, finds a very happy little group of five, praising and thanking our own strong God who carries his tired ones so. A meeting where fully two hundred heard and quietly heard the word of life, a long after-talk with two who really we trust will believe. Oh, is it not splendid when through the thick darkness he puts forth his hand and touches a soul into life? For all this we praise him. How good he is, how near, how tender. To thee, Lord, my heart unfoldeth as the rose to the golden sun. To thee, Lord, mine arms are clinging, the eternal joy begun. For ever through endless ages thy cross and thy sorrow shall be the glory, the song, and the sweetness that makes heaven heaven to me. Next day we have to return to Matsuya, where all are kindly concerned, and think I should straightway go for the rest and change ordered some time ago, and so it has come to pass. But between that and this comes something too lovely to write much about. Some joys, just like some sorrows, seem far too deep for mere word expression. The baptismal time at our village must be a song without words for you. I could not sleep one hour last night, so great was my gladness, so speaks the dear great-grandmother, not six months old in the new life. I wonder I have slept one single night since then, for joy such as this is almost too much for one's mortal coil, and makes one want to shuffle it off. Those who have had it will understand, those who have never had it would that they knew it too. But the parting which follows is sad enough. One might be going away for six months instead of six weeks. I never knew I loved them so dearly, nor ever dreamed they cared so for me. Pray for us, they write. Honorably deign to pray for us. We pray always forever for you. Sayonara, sayonara, goodbye. Will you pray for them, that they may be kept from the danger which lingers near blessing? Let us ask that this child church, so weak as yet, may through the exceeding greatness of his power, according to the energy of the strength of his might, grow strong in him, and become a crown of glory, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. One turns to and rests in the prayer of our Saviour. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am 
that they may behold my glory, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And the Father will answer his own son's prayer for our precious village trust. A few words more, and I must close. It is our last communion at Matsuya. Side by side we kneel, Japanese and English sisters together, one in him. And yet through the service the difference presses. One follows with ear and lip the still foreign tongue. With the soul one prays in the language of home. It is not perfect unison. But when our pastor comes to Florence and me, as we kneel there last in line, he speaks in gentle English just for us and we feel the touch of the golden ring known only by faith before for what save a true close kinship of soul could have prompted a thought so kind and as our brother ministers thus to his sisters in christ the beloved above and beyond one is lifted to the land where lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be unto our god for ever and ever therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify thy holy name evermore praising thee and saying holy 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 lord god of hosts heaven and earth are full of thy glory glory be to thee o lord most high end of chapter twenty two recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of from sunrise land letters from japan by amy carmichael